Ramble. What's up? It is Remy and Alicia, your co-hosts of Pretty Basic. Pretty Basic. We are coming to you squishmallow-less, but we are sitting in some nice comfy chairs and we just wanted to catch up with you guys. And honestly, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while now. And I was trying to figure out, to be honest, I did have a very public vlog breakdown which is going up pretty soon so hopefully that people are okay with that um I've just been trying to figure out like where first of all I've been trying to like process everything that's been happening I'm specifically talking about the Asian American hate crimes that have been going on um you know it's been happening obviously for a long time it's happened for a long time but specifically the shooting that happened in Atlanta a few nights ago really really struck me very hard and I've been trying to process everything kind of gather my thoughts um and I wanted to talk about it and I thought honestly having the talk on here would be the best and Alicia and I are just gonna have a conversation about like what's been going on and um I've been talking to like my mom and my dad and other family members other Asian friends Asian American friends um just to kind of like have an open conversation with them I feel like it's been really good for me to hear other people's experiences and just wanted to come share it with you guys I remember back last June when we were doing a few episodes just around the Black Lives Matter movement um, I had quite a lot of messages from people asking for me to come on and do an episode all about my experiences with racism and just talk about those things and I remember back in one of the episodes I was like this is not my time to talk which it was not um, it was my time to listen and to educate myself and to learn. And I, f- I think I have to say, though, I think that speaks volumes because I distinctly remember you saying that. Mm. I remember you saying it's not my time to talk about that. And I think that is such a cool thing to do to admit that it's not your time to talk yeah. about that kind of stuff when, you know, Black Lives Matter was going on, is going on, always going then. on, always going yes, on. But yes. specifically back then. Um, and I think that, I don't know, that was, that inspired me because I feel like it takes a very special person to put their hurt and pain aside and experiences and be able to focus on someone else. So I thought that was really interesting, but I am really excited to sit and talk and we always talk about wanting to use our platforms and finding our voices. And hopefully this inspires you guys to also to just have conversations with people and to realize that it doesn't have to be as scary as you think. And you can sit and talk to your friends about taboo topics or things that you feel like you shouldn't or, but yeah, I think I'm really proud of you. Even when I think back to when we first started this podcast, like this would have been so like scary for us to be able to be like, Oh my God, what if we say something that offends someone? And the reason why we love coming on the podcast and talking about deeper topics here is because it is a much more relaxed environment and it is a conversation and we may say some things right. We may say some things and afterwards be like, oh, I could have said the best. I don't know about you. Oh, when you're in the shower? I'm in the shower. All the time. I I read that this was a a symptom of anxiety and I was like, oh shit, me. Um, Uh Where you have conversations in your head of like, oh, I should have said this. I should have done this. I would have like, oh, I've been doing that since I was like in high school. I came out of the womb being like I could have come out better <laughs> let me do it again show me, me do it again. Up there. Um, yeah I really struggle with that and I don't want that to hold us back either of sharing opinions thoughts experiences friends stories or whatever um of being trying to be too perfect and having the perfect PR 
uh, you know, statement, statement or whatever, like yeah. public statement that whatever. So I agree. I think like this is a safe space. Like you're allowed to ask questions. I'm allowed to ask questions. I don't have all the answers. And to be frankly honest, again, as I said, like I'm still trying to process everything and also find the right words to say. Yeah. And again, we're not trying to say anything that would ever offend anybody. But, um, you know, I'm sitting here as an Asian American. I'm a second generation Asian American. My parents were both born. I think they're technically considered one and a half Mm -hmm. because they were both both born in Seoul, South Korea, and then moved here when they were both very young. So I'm technically second gen. um, But... You know, I'm sitting here and I'm lucky enough. I can say, like, I'm so grateful. I'm so lucky that I personally myself have never endured a hate crime, um, which makes me sad that I have to say that I'm lucky that I have not. But, you know, I've experienced microaggressions. I've experienced racism, xenophobia, things like that. And I just want to share with people. And I also know, like, personally for me, a very large majority of my audience and probably listeners here are in fact Asian or Asian Americans so um, I feel like a lot of what I say could also resonate with people oh my god yeah so and also like you have a best friend who's Asian and a person of color and like this is a great conversation to have you know I talk to Cal a lot he has a girlfriend who's Asian American or just person of color um and it's sorry I really thought you meant he had had a girlfriend (laughs) and then I was like oh why are you talking about his ex like that Remy (laughs) and then I'm like oh you're literally talking about yourself myself Cal currently has a girlfriend yes. who is um, Asian. And so it's just, I've, I've been having a lot of these talks yeah. since things going on. And it's really, really sad that these things had to happen. And to any, I, I would love to put like the GoFundMe link to the, to any of the people, any of the family members from um, the Atlanta shooting. I know actually one of my subscribers, she, we were talking, her best friend, um, her best friend's mother was one of the people, one of the ladies on the, one of the buses that was hate crime. So I'm just going to leave as many like GoFundMes as I can find. Lots of different articles if you guys want to educate yourselves. Also, um, stop AAPI hate. I think that's what it is. Stop AAPI hate.com or .org. I will leave a link down below if you guys want to just like learn. You can donate. Um, I've been trying my best to just read up on all those things. And again, like this is, sorry, this is such a long intro, but this is like we do this weekly. So of course, you can come back next week and like open the floor again and like just as as time continues on but with that being said no I'm super excited because obviously I am not Asian um I've had lots of Asian friends but I am also sitting here learning and you and I haven't even had many conversations about this mm-hmm. and I think if you if you personally are someone who's trying to educate yourself or learn ask questions like it's so realizing that the world does not revolve around you and someone else's truth is their truth because that's what they've experienced is so huge to acknowledge and to not be like, well, not every like don't defend if you know, like it's like, it's like the whole like not all men thing. It's like, no, no, no. Let these people speak from their truth and their experiences. Not like we don't have to. De- of course, there are good people out there, whatever, but. We don't, we shouldn't have to say a blanket statement. Like we shouldn't have to make a statement like that. Does yeah. that make sense? No, I completely agree with all of that. I think I just want to start off this episode by talking about my personal yeah. like history, my personal background, everything like that. As I said, my parents um, moved here when they were, my mom was six and my dad was eight. I remember your mom telling me that and I was so 
like shook. I had no idea. I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, they, um, my mom came with her whole family to the States. I think they originally came to LA actually. Oh my God. And she's always been in like the Southern California area, moved around a few times. She said she kind of moved around like every year or so, but always in the same vicinity. Uh, my dad though moved here when he was eight and came here all by himself as an unaccompanied minor. Oh my God. He's so cute. Um, and he came here, um, and he, you know, both of them, both their families wanted to come here to give them a better life. So just to clarify, your dad came here, how old? Eight. Or no, no, sorry. He said seven, uh, like a month after his seventh birthday. Seven years old, gets on a plane. By himself. By himself. He had the little tag and everything. He didn't speak a lick of English, neither did my mom. Um, my dad came here though, and my grandpa was in the military, so he had to kind of wrap up some things over in Korea. So they stayed there, my grandpa, my grandma, and my aunt, mm. who's younger than my dad. I think she probably was like just born, yeah. probably around the time they're like six years apart. And so then my dad flew here by himself, came to live with his aunt and uncle and his cousin in Springfield, Illinois. And yeah, he lived there for like a year. And then eventually my grandpa and grandma and aunt were able to come over and lived with him for a year. And then after that, he was bouncing around every year to a different school because he's an army brat. Mm. So basically, um, so I called both of them just to like talk about their experiences because I always like knew the the general facts, but it was really cool to hear their own stories, obviously. And, um, it was just really interesting. And they both said, of course, that they've faced racism their entire lives, like going to like Illinois, a state like Illinois. Yeah. Um, at one point, my dad lived in Oakland and he said in Oakland it was really, really bad and really? he just never felt like he could fit in and like it was just always a hard experience for them. Yeah. So that was really interesting to hear. I personally, um, my parents ended up, you know, they were able to assimilate because they came here at such young ages mm-hmm. and they were able to learn English and, um, you know, big part of Asian culture is just focusing on education. Yeah. So um, especially my mom's parents, they were very, very, very hard on her growing up with education. I talked to my dad about it too and he was basically saying um, as much as he wanted to focus on education, he kind of had to take care of his mom because oh. she didn't speak any English. She still to this day can't really write or speak much English. So um, that was kind of his focus. But my mom was just like my grandpa was so hard on her with education. It was like, straight A's if you get an A minus like you're in trouble yeah like her whole life it was like that it was so focused on school extracurriculars going to a good school she ended up becoming a nurse like she's the smartest person I know so um it was just interesting to hear and then my parents met in college and then I was raised like pretty much where they went to college um I grew up in Orange County California which is a very uh, if people don't know, I mean, like you think of like that show, The O.C., like very it's, a very, white. it's a very, yeah, it's very white, but it's also like a very affluent county. I specifically grew up in Anaheim Hills where, I mean, you've met a lot of my friends from home and yes. they are all white, <laughs> which um, at my schools growing up, we all kind of like went to the same elementary school, middle school, high school. We all kind of like obviously stayed together that whole time. Um, and if you looked at my high school, I would say um about like 60 percent were probably caucasian and then right behind that majority was actually asian people so i had like my little asian crew i was talking to kaylee about it too because i just saw her and she was i was telling her about how my experiences were like reflecting back about you know i was in leadership and a majority of the leadership people within leadership were white um i was thinking about being on the song team i was one of like two people of color on the the song team but i never felt out of place actually i think it's just 
because going from elementary school to middle school to high school, um, especially growing up with those same people, you know, you, you're pretty much friends with everybody. You're also such a likable person. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like just little you was just like making friends We're with just everyone. hanging out with everybody. But it was funny to talk to Kaylee because, I mean, I had like the leadership. I had the song. I had like all these other groups that I was always just like bopping around. I was like a floater. Whereas Kaylee was just like close with me and like had her like close group of friends and was literally like our age my Asian group of friends so Kaylee was like it's so funny I always think that like I was like the only white person in that group but to me I was like I it was such a different experience from like who you hang out with um so definitely taking that into account just where I was raised where I grew up um you know the people around me so I was lucky enough to not experience much when I was a young kid you know of course in middle school kids are kind of mean you get like little little things here and there but nothing like crazy that really like made me upset or like really go home and like think about things so that's pretty much my background and where I grew up and I feel so blessed and lucky that my parents were able to raise me in such a nice area where I felt so included I never Mm -hmm. felt like disassociated I always felt really seen and heard by everyone around me so I feel so lucky that that was my situation because I can't imagine being who I am and growing up like somewhere like in the south like in the deep south like Louisiana or something Mm -hmm. and feeling not included and feeling like the odd one out like my dad had experienced quite a bit um so I just feel so lucky like that but uh recently I was out at dinner with my friend and we were just sitting on you know like right now there's outdoor dining in LA so I was like on the sidewalk essentially and it really hit me for the first time pretty much for this specific reason I was scared to be out eating dinner on the street because anybody could have driven by Mm -hmm. and shot up shot at me you yeah. know what I mean for but normally I get scared just like you know if a mass shooting happens just in general I get scared because I'm like oh my god you're real you forget not that you forget sorry well I have to say it's it's scary enough when you go to a movie theater or you go to a festival and you're already like oh my god what if a shooting happens yeah let alone a hate crime just happened against people of your ethnicity and on top of that if you're at you know an Asian restaurant and you're like wow I, now I now there's a target on me. Yeah, exactly. That's a million times. Like, there's been times I've been in a movie theater and I'm like, oh my God, what if someone walked in? What same, do I do? Do same. I duck? Again, with the overthinking thing. I can't imagine feeling like there's an actual target on you. That was the thing. This is the first time I've ever felt it like, oh, this is because of who I, because of who I am is something I can't change. Yeah. Yeah. I remember after that awful movie theater shooting that happened, mm-hmm. I remember every time I get into a movie theater now, I look at the exits, like, where do I go out first? And this, so this was the first time I was just sitting there eating a taco and I was with my friend and we were just talking about it and she was saying how she went to a nail salon the other day and she was like, it, it hit her. She was like, oh my God, someone could easily come here as a specific, for a specific reason mm-hmm. because it's usually nail salons are owned yeah. by Asian people, specifically Vietnamese people for the most part. Like, and it's such a hard thing to think about. And I got really emotional sitting there because I've never felt targeted for my race like that before. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard for me. And then I started, I came home and I just started thinking about, you know, why, this is happening and it got me really upset and I know that this ruffles feathers to talk about but I honestly don't care and it's truly the harmful rhetoric that was spewed for the past four years which when this happened and I was tweeting about how upset I was which rightfully so I think I'm able to be people were replying to my tweets saying things like oh well we don't know what the guy's motive was like it had the case hasn't been like closed yet we're not sure I hate that we're not sure and I I was sitting there enraged because we absolutely know what the motive was when you have a president who's been spewing 
slurs and things and saying things like the Kung flu and the Chinese virus, which even back when he was saying those things and I would tweet about them and people would reply and be like, oh, like, well, what about this? And what about that? You don't know what he's saying. Like it is from China, blah, blah, blah. You're like, you don't know. I don't think anyone truly realizes that anyone who says those things don't realize how powerful those statements are and how it it really sits with people's brains, obviously. And then the fact that the cop said that he was having a bad day after killing eight innocent people who were just working is beyond me and I like I'm truly speechless and I it's sad because I wasn't even surprised and I that is the fucking problem I think I mean my whole life I've had I really like I honestly think I've blacked out a lot I really think I'm I have. sure but I was sitting there and I was like what can I talk about on the podcast and again these are so small compared to what some other people have well and there's with. some things you're not comfortable sharing too you know what I mean like obviously these are stories that you're willing to share and obviously like you should never have to justify why they're valid or not you know yeah. what I mean like that's huge I think I mean like my whole life I've been ta- I've been called things like chink especially you know being online where in making videos I have certain words that are blocked because they're just not necessary to see that you know different sort of racial slurs like that um and it's 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 hard but at the same time I almost find solace in knowing that it's something that I can't change where like if someone's gonna call me something like that I'm like that's on them like that's it's a hateful word it's 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 rooted in so much hate and I almost like I just kind of like brush it off now at this point because like it it's obviously just they have they're they're racist they have a problem within themselves and they like want to take it out on me um I remembered one specific thing that I feel like at the time I like I was a little stunned and then I kind of like laugh at now, but I was at, um, I think it was the DMV or like a USPS, I don't know, somewhere getting my passport yeah. photo taken okay. or a license, but I forget some photo taken. And, um, they sat me down to take my picture and like, they were like, don't smile. And I was like, okay. So I like kept my eyes, my eyes were open. I was looking at the camera in front of the, like a whole room of people. They take my picture and they go, Oh no, can you open your eyes? And I was like, what? She's like, open your eyes. And I was like, no, they're open. And she started laughing. She's like, open them bigger in front of like an entire room of people. And I was like, no, they're, they're open. And she was just like laughing and then took a second one. She's like, I guess this one will work. And then that was it. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I remember exactly which one it was too. I remember the location. I just don't remember what building it was, but yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If my vlog viewers know if you're hardcore and dedicated, um, I had a friend live with us for two years. Her name was Yuka and she wasn't a foreign exchange student, but that's how we met her. 
Um, but then she ended up just living with us because um, we ended up love like we loved her so much. And she ended up becoming literally I still call her a sister. We're so close. Like you're so cute. So I cannot explain it. We are so, so close. We still keep in touch. Um, she is the best person in this entire world. Like so amazing. She inspires me every single day. She um, obviously lived with us for two years. And I that reminded me there was a, a, a time where she went to the DMV to get her her driver's license or she had to get it updated or whatever and she went with um ashley um because ash had to drive her there so she goes to get her photo and then i think they were like counting down or go or whatever and she literally like sneezed or something and like genuinely like it was a horrible photo right Mm -hmm. horrible like even ashley was like no like any normal person would be like oh we have to redo this like this isn't even usable right and the person was so racist. And this is the thing. Like, if you were to know Yuka, like, she's not so, like, she is so sweet. She is so kind. Like, for her to even be like, what the heck? Like, it had to be bad. It was bad. Like, this person was like, what do you mean this is fine? Like, wouldn't let her retake it. And she was like, please, can I, I'm so sorry. Like, can I please take, like, another photo? Like, this oh is, God. this is horrible. Like, I, I don't even look like me. And they're like, no, da, 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 da. Like, going off, being so fucking rude. And I remember Ashley said she wanted to speak up and just shut down because she didn't even know what to do in that situation. Yeah. And, um... She kept being like, is there someone else I can speak to? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I even think that was probably one of Ashley's like first time, like firsthand experiencing how someone would treat Yuka versus herself, you know, like, and I was just, I I remember being so dumbfounded. She ended up having to go back a whole other day to get a new photo. And it was just like, why? It's hard because like some, it's a photo. Like I experienced that. It's a photo. It's not that big of a deal, but it is a microaggression and it does stick with you. Exactly. It sticks with you. And you're like, why am I being treated differently for no reason? And like even no reason, another microaggression that I get all the time, which I I don't think you've ever gotten is where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Orange County. No. Where are you from? Uh, Anaheim Hills. No, no, no. Like, where are you from? Oh, my parents are from south korea ah yeah you look korean oh you know you know what i mean it's just like it sucks too because the first time you say it you know what they mean but you're like no like, exactly edu- like that's not exactly i can guarantee every, almost everywhere i get in they're like what kind of asian are you and i'm like uh korean I'm like, you know like, what i mean you're just like it's not that big of a deal it's not and no because you're proud of that but i think what makes it worse is when you know it's not from a horrible place but you're like you don't realize how that's not like it, it like does, you don't get that kind of stuff no oh the most that I get people are like oh like what are you and I'm like honestly I don't know my mom was adopted like yeah. <laughs> I'm just I don't I truly don't even know mm-hmm. um but I think that's what's hard is when people you know you know you're like okay I know your motives aren't like horrible and mean but you don't realize how that is a microaggression and it doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't like you think you're being nice but it's not helping. For instance, um, my mom was just telling me this story about one of her friends who works at a bank. Um, she's black and she opened up to my mom and was telling her how, um, she really was struggling with racist people. And one of the main things she has gotten time and time and time again, are people coming to her and working with her and then saying, you're, you, you're really educated. Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm like the fuck, like who fucking that right and she even said she was like i i know that they mean it as a fucking compliment but that's not a compliment you know what i mean you're like why do i not look like i should be like and again that's nothing i've ever had to 
experience. And I can't imagine that. And I think those microaggressions of like, oh, like those people would never be like, they'd be like, I'm not racist. Like, I don't think that. It's like, no, hearing that is awful and it breaks my heart. And it's, it's interesting because when I hear that, I think of like the stereotypes for Asian people. Mm-hmm. I think the stereotypes for African-American stereotypes. people. Stereotypes for Hispanic people. Like they're all so different. That actually goes into something I wanted to say. First of all, I found something um, from this Time article, which I will link down below. Um, and it says that racism makes us focus on the differences in our faces rather than our similarities. Which when I read that, I was like, whoa. Mm. Um, and in the alchemical experiment of the U.S., racial differences mixes with labor exploitation to produce an explosive mix of profit and atrocity. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, but something that I wanted to talk about on here that I'm still learning about, but I told you about how Asian people, the whole one of the stereotypes is that it, we're like, quote unquote, model minorities. Mm. And so my whole life, I've heard about being a model minority and most of the time when I heard about it, it was like, oh, like almost like a good thing. Like people were like, oh, but you're the model minority. You're the model minority. And so it was just like, okay, interesting. Um, I want to read some things though and then we can talk a little more about it. being very blunt and honest, I don't really know the full meaning of that. Like I know, I've heard it, but I don't know what it actually entails. I mean, I always knew, but I didn't. Is it like the ideal minority? um, Kind of. That's kind of, it's like the idea of like within the minorities, like you're like the most educated, you have the most experience, like Mm. the most opportunities and things like that. Um, That's kind of like how it was always proposed to me and it sounds like a good thing, but really... I'll read about this. I'll Again, I'll link this article down below, but it's talking about xenophobia and the model minority myth. And it says, it's become exceedingly clear that the coronavirus has unearthed the xenophobia that many had presumed buried beneath the so-called quote-unquote model minority myth. Coined in 1966, the model minority myth characterizes Asian Americans as a polite, law-abiding group who have achieved a higher level of success than the general population through some combination of innate talent and pull yourselves up by the bootstraps immigrants striving according to tolerance.org. So, I mean, I wanted to speak about this too, is like, I think it's really hard and I'm seeing, I'm, I'm reading everything right now. I'm like trying to keep up with everything going on. And I think it's honest, it's really hard right now because I feel like Asian people never get we never get as much support from mm-hmm. other groups. And I feel like a part of it has to do with the fact that like we don't speak out a ton. Yeah. We, I think it has to do with also like our mentality is very much keep your head down, work, 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 work. Yes. You don't say like, you know, you don't complain. You work, you work, you work. Um, I was trying to talk about it with Hill. Hill's my best friend, by the way. She's Taiwanese. She's also second gen. And we were speaking about it and I was like, if you asked my manager, if you asked anybody that I've ever worked with, all of them always come to me and are like, you are such a hard worker. You literally like are the easiest client to work with because I literally just, they give me what to do. I do it. That's it. Yeah. Um, I've had like multiple of my manager's assistants just be like, oh my God, you're literally the easiest person. Like you don't do, you, you do everything. You don't complain. Like I'm part of that. I'm sure is like my own work work ethic, but I think also it's just growing up in an Asian household, having Asian parents. Yeah. Like that's what I was always taught, um, and I think that is clear with a lot of other Asian people as well. So. Although many Asian Americans have embraced this as a positive stereotype, it actually subverts the progress of racial justice, not only for other BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities, but also within the Asian American community itself. Mm. So basically, what I've gathered is that it kind of discredits all of the hardships that our ancestors have gone through. Like my grandma, I've told you this before, my grandma literally escaped North Korea 
with her family. She had herself and 12 other siblings um, and her mom and dad. And along the way, she lost her dad going to the South Korea border. She lost her dad and eight of her siblings from illnesses and starvation. And like my my grandma, it's her birthday today. Happy birthday, grandma. I love her so much. You left her a message. It was so cute. She's so cute. But like I look at her, she's so strong and so resilient. She's the most headstrong woman I've ever met in my entire life. She's the cutest ever. But I look at her and she's endured so much. So to just slap the label of like model minority on that, which not to discredit anybody else's hardships. Of course not. Ever. But I think that's just really interesting. And that also I think discredits a lot of people's hard work today. A lot I was going to say, hardships or I hard mean, work the today. least you could do is do the work that you have to like in your in your head. You're like, I can get my video in on time. I can get this homework assignment. If you did that for me, I owe this to exactly. you to at least it's do the least. That's I can the least do. I could do. I think also granted, yes, a lot of Asian people are lawyers and doctors and these great, great careers, but it's not like it was handed to them. They work really hard again with the mentality and the work ethic that a lot of Asian people do have also mixed with, you know, I remember when I was applying to colleges, um, there were quite a few colleges that I had to be real with myself. And I was like, look, the Asian acceptance rate is like this much. Yeah. I do not fit into that category, yeah. even as an Asian person myself. But I'm well aware it's not because of anything other than the fact that I didn't work as hard as those people who are going to be let in. Yeah. You know, I didn't do as many extracurriculars as these people, yeah. these people that are going to be let in. Um, so I thought it was just really interesting because my whole life it was always like, oh, well, you're the model minority. You're the model minority, mm. which again, other groups of people of color of course have endured so so much but I also don't think it's like uh who is who has endured more who has had who's no, been more oppressed it's no, just no, no. it's just an interesting thing and I also read something that said that um on a societal level the model minority myth has also been frequently used to drive a wedge between Asian Americans and the black and brown folks which oh. when I read that I was like it, it really it actually really is between the minorities with the murders of George it's like Floyd, a ranking system within the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain and so many others throwing hashtag Black Lives Matter into focus recently. Many corporations, marketers and individuals have been asking how they can communicate their support for the black community, which, of course, is so, so important. Yeah. But one of the things that we Asian Americans can do is to bust the model minority myth and the associated stereotypes of passivity in order to stand up against white supremacy and solidarity with black and brown folks, which is is true yeah i think the main root here is white supremacy yeah ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness he works with a virtual reality training platform developed by fundamental vr and orbis international to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
something also that was really interesting to me when I was talking to my best friend Hillary. I was going to say, you mentioned you had talked to her, so I was curious more about that. Yes, she she's told me some stories that... So Hillary lives in, I would say, arguably, like, one of the nicest mm-hmm. complexes within all of LA. Like, buildings, whatever. Like, she lives in a very nice, nice building. And lately, since COVID has been a thing... Um, she's faced living in a, I think honestly, if had I had, I lived in my old apartment, you would have also, I think I would have experienced some things too, just yeah. because your experience with so many people, you're going in and out of elevators yeah. all the time. And like, it's fucking awful. Um, living in this house, obviously I come home to just myself yeah. and Cal and the dog. So like, I haven't seen as many people, but, um, this was sort of in like the start slash like few months of quarantine. And she lives on a very high floor within her building. So she takes the elevator a lot. And she says that ever since COVID has become a thing, which everybody should do this, but especially she's been very aware because she is Taiwanese. Um, she doesn't want to make anybody uncomfortable when with elevator rides. So she said if, if she hits the button and it opens up, the doors open up and there is people in there, then she just says like, oh, I'll just take the next one, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just wait. Or she just kind of stands there and like stands And most side elevators are limited to like two or three people exactly. each. So I get that. Most people are just waiting as it is right now. But she, you know, for her, it's not even just, it's a, a matter of safety, but yeah. also a matter of, I don't want to make someone uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is really sad. So she will just kind of stand to the side, you know, just wait. So she said that she was, she hit the button one day, the doors open, there's a few Caucasian people in there and they start like whispering and just like saying things, making her really uncomfortable. Like, no, you can't get, you can't come in here. And she's just like, oh, okay. And she was obviously upset. The doors close and then they go down and then the next elevator, she hits the button again. She's obviously upset. The doors open up. Um, there's a nice African-American man in the elevator and she's like, oh, I can wait. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Like jump in. So she jumps in. She's obviously like shooken up about what had just happened. She was really upset. And he was just like, yeah, like I, like I get it. I don't think he, she even told him what had happened. I think she just looks so like shooken up yeah. that he was like, I feel like this every day of my life. And so keep in mind, it's like a, it's a very nice building. Like, well, also that's your home. Like, yes, it's. It would be so different if you're like, oh, I was, it's just as horrible. But like, if you're in a, a public something, whatever, the fact that that's, she's home. To feel uncomfortable to feel in, a, so in her uncomfortable place where she lives. Where you live. And like, I can't, I, it, it broke my heart. And when we were talking about it again the other day, you know, she was saying like, oh, you know what though? Like, I'm not really sure if it was because I'm Chinese. I'm not sure if it's because I'm Taiwanese. I'm not sure if it's because I'm Asian. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. And I was like, no, first of all, trust your gut. You know, when you're in a situation like that, you know, like I personally feel a lot of times insecure for being Asian. I'm like, if I, you know, if something happens, if I get rejected, if I don't, if something happens in the work, in my work where I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not, something didn't happen how I thought it would or I lose something. something, Exactly. My initial thought is, oh, is it it because I'm Asian? Which that's what I was telling Hillary. She was like, I could have, you know, it could have been just like, just because they don't want another person in the elevator. And I was like, maybe true. Like I would hope so. But the fact that you're, you're nice. viewing your race and something that you can't change as an insecurity is fucked up. And that's how I feel sometimes too. I can only speak from my own experience. Obviously I have never had a situation like that. All of COVID. Yeah. At all. I can tell when people are like, Oh, germs, but it never was once felt like I'm dirty. 
or I could give it to them. It was always more of just like, oh, we need to spend. Okay, no worry. Like, and that's sad. I think what enraged me so much about those, when I was tweeting about the Atlanta shooting and those people were replying like, we don't know his motive. How yeah. do you not know his motive? First of all, for the past, our ex-president referred to a virus as the Kung flu and the Chinese virus. So obviously people have been believing that rhetoric along with the fact that this man willingly walked into, walked into massage parlors, which are predominantly Asian owned. Like he knew how, how was that not race driven? That's what I don't understand. It, even the fact that it was clearly premeditated in any fucking way, like anyway, mm-hmm. any way you look at this, it was premeditated. What, how does that equal having a bad day? No, that when I, oh my God, when like, I heard that, I, and what's, what's sad is I literally wasn't, I wasn't surprised when they also found, um, that, that the cop that had said that they found like tweets or something yes. that was like, he had, he obviously doesn't like Asian people. Like I was like, yeah, fucking course. Of course. I think what's hard too is if anyone listening maybe grew up in an area where it it wasn't racist. You weren't with people who were making these comments about Asian people, black people, whatever. The thought to like it, it blows my mind that someone like that cop would say that and like think that and like defend that. But that's not like our place to be like, well, we're not all like that. Yeah. You no, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's like, clearly there are people who think that. I mean, my and dad. And admitting that is okay. It doesn't like that's, oh my God, sorry. No, you're okay. My dad, when I was speaking to him about moving here and everything, he was like, there are times where I would go to a new city, a new state. And he was like, I would probably, I was probably the first Asian people that any of those kids have ever seen. Oh my God. Had ever seen. And he was like, yeah, I would get racist remarks. But, you know, like it's, it was kids. And I was like, but honestly, kids learn from parents. They learn from TV shows. They learn, they, you know, they're like little sponges. We oh absorb everything. So I was like, they're learning from something. They're not just going to make that up no. and like decide. No, you no, know what no, I mean? No, no. I get that people like kids could be like, oh, you look different. And I, I know kids can be mean. Trust me, I've endured it. Yes. But Anthony um, in kindergarten for me. Who? Anthony. Fuck you, Anthony. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think also when I was talking to my dad, he was just talking about how, you know, like Bruce Lee was the first Asian man that people were able to see on their screens. And my dad was like, that made me want to do karate. Like I felt so inspired as a young Korean boy to see an Asian man on on the big screen or TV show, whatever, all those sorts of things. Um, And it made me think about how they're obviously, and this is like the a very common conversation that's had that but not honestly not talked about enough that Asian representation in traditional media Mm. like we have like you know we have our Sandra Oh we've got our literally it's like the Sandra always comes to my mind first because I've seen her so much but like at the same time there's not Daniel Day Kim love him he spoke out and he said he did an amazing speech on Asian American hate crimes so I recommend checking that out if you guys would like to see that um but you know there's there's so few people I could count them on my hand and also um to go with that I think that movies like Crazy Rich Asians Mm -hmm. that Bling Empire show that just came out it shows such lavish extremes that are not common for anybody especially not common in in Asian culture and things like that I thought the movie was beautiful I didn't watch Bling Empire I thought it was beautiful though but I think that also there's sort of a bit of a disadvantage because people who don't know much about Asians and know much about Asian culture see that and think that that's all exactly all Asian people are like that so as beautiful of a story as it was and so great of a movie and like 
I love the books and everything. It's just a little bit sad that, you know, someone who lives in like a random state sees that and is like, oh, all Asian people are like that. And that's not true at all. And I think that is where a lot of this like ignorance comes from. And it's sadly like we don't real. I think we've just now as like a country have learned how much the media plays a role in everything. Um, you know, we all grew up watching Disney and now we're like, where's our Prince Charming? (laughs) You know, like just unrealistic. Um, and when you look back at who's running these networks, uh, it's older white men. Like, uh, if you have not watched the Hollywood, um, show on Netflix, highly recommend. Um, and in it, one of the actresses, the best actress, hands down in the whole network was Asian and she only was able to book certain roles and it was so obvious that they only casted the pretty blonde girl for the lead because they're like, no, that's all meant like that's all people want is like the blonde. And it's sad and hard hearing that that was like a reality. It's sad that that's still a reality to this day. And I think think when people say, oh, that was so long ago, it's like, no, you need to stop that because clearly that was not long ago. The TV has not even been around for that long. So if that's still a thing where there are like only so many actors and actresses playing the same roles because they're like oh we need an Asian person oh get that one person it's like no that's so wrong like there's like I don't know I think luckily we're kind of on the brink of like okay this is flawed this whole system is flawed and we need change but clearly it's not like an overnight thing but I think I'm thinking of that movie Aloha where they cast Emma Stone as Mm. an Asian woman Mm. like that to me still is and I think absolutely insane. And like I people did. I'm glad that people rioted and spoke yeah. out about, about that because that was very, very wrong. But I hope that it's sad how it's normal, because as much as you can't sit and be like, Emma, it's your fault, because it's like, no, not only did our whole team approve it, the whole network approved it like they clearly thought that was fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where the problem and lies. And that's where it is. It's not just like, oh, this one per. It's like. And also for them. The casting director. Like, to audition yes, for that role. Yes. Like that. It's a such a bigger system around it. Um, And speaking of stereotypes, like I saw Tiffany, Tiffany Ma put, um, reposted something on her story and it was all about the roles that Asian women have specifically played in television and movies and how it's either the nerd or like a super seductive um, hooker even. Like a fetish. Like a fetish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were scenes from like Austin Powers, even Mean Girls, um, how, you know, when oh, the yeah. guy's hooking up with the student, it yes, was tran. It was it was tran, um, an Asian girl. And it's like, it, was that a coincidence or were they like, oh, the Asian would do that? Like, yeah. that's also like there's it's just it's interesting. Again, I think that even that falls upon that why are why am I made to be insecure for my race and I think that's another conversation of I genuinely cannot imagine being an actress and only getting casted in those roles what's even sadder I think is those actresses who are like oh this is all that I'm ever going to be able to do yes that's really sad I will say though as I was thinking about this the one thing, and I love this so much, the one thing, the one place where I felt kind of accepted and seen was YouTube. Oh, When I, I found YouTube um, on my iPod Touch back in middle school, <laughs> like the first YouTuber I ever watched was Purse Buzz. 
who I was this love she books. was the best she was this beautiful asian girl that was making hair tutorials and like makeup tutorials and i just felt so inspired i was like oh my god like I can look like her. There was a girl actually specifically. I think her name was like Panda 2 Woo. Yeah. Yes. I thought I I was like, I look like her. Like I like I was I would buy everything she well, I would try it and buy whatever she was using. I would stay up late, like like not going to bed because I was watching her. I remember my mom came in and was like, What are you gonna do with your life watching these hair tutorials? I was like, I love her. (laughs) Meanwhile, now you're here. (laughs) Meanwhile, now I'm a YouTuber. But I just think about people like Michelle Fawn who like paved the way and I think made so many I like I truly think about my my audience and having so many Asian viewers and people who probably are like oh my god I look like her like oh, that's so that. cool to think about I think about like Wong Fu Productions who yeah. I am obsessed with and I have been since m- middle school high school all throughout like I was telling Loshi that I would be at school and like within my Asian group of friends be like oh my god you see Wong Fu dropped a video oh I can't wait god. to watch it at home um I remember like all and you've collabed with them you're friends with them oh like you've god. been in their, their I, stuff like I am the biggest fan so when they like ask me to be in anything I would just go and I'm just like I, I would literally drop everything to yeah. be there because I just it means so much to me and yeah, it, it I give, truly yeah. like it's a, it's my childhood so I'm so glad that there was a place like YouTube. And I know a lot of people listening to this can agree, a lot of Asian Americans, where you just are like, oh my God, like this, at least there's representation there. And that's the beauty of YouTube. It's like everybody can make content. Everybody can find their niche and someone that looks like them or just feel connected. So I feel so lucky that I get to do that as a job now. Oh my God. Which is so cool. But overall, I just wanted to have this conversation I, again there is so much more than I need to learn and again I do feel so blessed and grateful that what I've the few bits that I shared today have been a, just a small like and yeah that's only touching the surface of like things for sure I mean to be honest I've never I feel like even for me just this past year I realized how sad it had to be for kids to not even have like a doll that looks like them you know what I mean I only experienced not being like, oh, there's only one Barbie that has brown hair. Like, they all, all had blonde, you know? Yeah. And, like... You were you Teresa? That had Teresa. <laughs> but, like, that meant so much to me to be like, oh, she has brown hair. Like, she looks like me. Like, and it's just crazy to me how... That is so... That's huge. I feel... I, I feel so privileged to have been given the life... I like what my grandma went through, what my great-grandma went through... Wait, can I give a little side story? Yeah. This is very, side, very, very side story. About grandma? As I was talking to my dad, yeah. Oh my God. As I was talking to my dad about his life and his his history and just everything that he's been through, um, I was talking about my grandma. We were talking about when she fled North Korea just so I could brush up to tell everybody here. Um, and he was telling me about his grandma because I never met her. Aww. So my great grandma, he was like, she is the strongest woman. Aww. Like the cool, like she was amazing because she raised him for the first I mean, few years while he was in Korea. she raised your grandma, right? She's my great grandma. But she raised your oh, grandma. Oh, she raised my grandma. So if grandma <laughs> yes. is feisty, I'm sure yes. great grandma was really feisty. Exactly. And my dad was saying, which is so crazy, he would watch TV with my with his grandma, my great grandma, mm-hmm. when, when he was a kid. And his grandma would always point out this one girl um, on like the Korean channel. She was like the the rice cooker girl. I think he probably had to be like in his 20s at this yeah. time. Um, and so he she'd always be like, oh, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. Like on the Korean channel, the rice cooker things. Um, turns out it was my mom. What? I know. I didn't know that. Wait, what? Yeah, so my dad said she would always point my mom out specifically and be like, she's so beautiful, she's so beautiful, and I think she passed right before my dad met my mom. Oh! 
And my dad said when he met my mom, he was like, I've seen you before. Were you on the rice cooker commercial? She's like, yeah. And I called my mom to talk to her about it. She's like, I mean, Remy, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Which, you know, that's my mom. But like, isn't that such Suze a cute was story? influencing before you. Suze is a natural born influencer. She came from Korea to be an influencer. Oh my God. Wait, that made my day. So I thought that was such a cute story. But anyways, going back to what you were saying, um, <laughs> I remember growing up as a kid and I, like, I was privileged enough to have this life. I was privileged enough to be able to get an American Girl doll. Like I'm very aware that I grew up in a, a very privileged situation. Um, but I remember my mom and dad for my birthday let me get a bitty baby. Do you remember what those were? It was like the baby version of an American Girl doll. Um, it was like a just a baby doll. Okay. And you got to pick like the whole thing of it was like, oh, you can like get one that looks like you. Mm. And I... It's so weird because I probably was like seven and I vividly remember this. I was going through the catalog and they had like a tiny little picture of each single one with like a small description underneath of like colored hair, whatever feature it was, like olive skin, brown hair, brown curly hair, whatever. And I had to get the one that was like, this one looks like me. (laughs) And it was like black hair, almond eyes because Mm. I had, you know, my eye shape obviously was, that was like the characteristic that they used to describe probably an Asian person, which, you know, wasn't bad, but I was just like, oh, like. I guess I have almond eyes. Like, I didn't You're know. You're like, I guess this is me. I guess that's me. That looks like me. Um, which was really weird that that stuck with but me But it shows time. how much that impacted you. I Because really, you remember it. I remember exactly where I was. You're, I was at yeah. my cousin Deborah's house. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. And if anybody is also an Asian American, I hope that you can, you know, resonate with some of the things that we talked about. If you have anything that you'd like to talk about further, we'd love to talk to you. Um, you no, know, you I can, loved, I honestly loved this. Um. I think I, I, what inspires me most is again, I already said it, but during black lives matter last year, you feeling like it wasn't your place to talk about stuff, to discredit what other people were talking about. And now I'm just proud of you for talking. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's hard, you know? And what's really dope and what's really fucking cool is if we were to be on a normal, like television show forever go our network whoever that would be would be like no you can't upload this episode because it would like get bad ratings or like it's like controversial or blah 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 and I just I love the fact that we're able to just have conversations about literally anything we want and even if they are sticky or like weird topics or taboo or some people are like ah, I don't want to like talk about th- like whatever when like this shouldn't be taboo to talk about like it should be open to just talk about people's experiences and I love learning so much about your family and I'm sure so many people listening can just relate to that and feel like holy shit I'm not the only person you know yeah, I think a lot of it is just like feeling feeling like a part of something because yeah. I feel like a lot of times the Asian community doesn't feel like that yeah that's at least how I feel a lot of times too um, so it's nice that we have our listeners and think I felt very comfortable talking about things here. And again, if we said anything that maybe didn't sit right with anyone, we truly apologize. Like this is just an open conversation to have. Um, and we love you guys so much. So thank you for listening. Be sure to come back next week. We're going to have a really great guest on. Yes, we Very are. excited. And be sure to keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check out our YouTube channel. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Love you. Bye.